0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining. For July 2019, we will be discussing Spider-Man Far From Home, the latest entry into the MCU, the close of the current phase of the MCU, phase three, um, and a precursor to what we might see in phase four. To join me this month is the Spider-Fan from the West Coast, actually i know we have a couple of them now on the show but the original spider fan for the show uh mr Steven waldinger welcome back to the program
1: oh thank you so much it's always a pleasure i uh always yeah whenever i get the notice hey you want to do uh, that's entertaining i'm like oh yeah let's do this thank you as always so much so happy to be here
0: <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have you um so steve it's been a little bit you know at least uh uh a month or more since we've had a chance to, to catch up and talk what's new with you on the entertaining front
1: uh let's see i've been uh i write for that's entertaining.net oh you um, do <laughs> yeah yeah that's what i hear anyway <laughs> uh <laughs> my latest article was about uh some of the the various musical acts that our old friend archie has crossed over within the comics um if you want to check that up, I am i don't I think only because we're recording the podcast right now. I'm not a, I'm not going to write anything for July, but I'll be back in August for sure, because I'm uh, watching the Fosters right now. And since the Fosters is part of the Freeform Cinematic Universe, which is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm going to write about how the Fosters come into play. It's going to be fun because uh, one of the Fosters is going to invent uh, M.O.D.O.C. and the Black Widow might get adopted. So
0: <laughs> very cool. I like that. Um, so you talk about the, the cinematic universe for Archie, right? The whole CW thing. Is it like the Riverdale stuff?
1: I watched Riverdale. I watched the first two seasons of Riverdale and I started to watch the third, but in season two, things got pretty dark. And then uh, season three, I just, uh, I kind of tapped out. I might, I think I am going to turn back tune tune in, uh, for at least some of the early episodes because, um, I, I I heard they were they were bringing in Shannon Doherty to uh, make up for the unfortunate loss of Luke Perry.
0: Oh, uh, so okay. I'm curious
1: how that all plays out.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of you know watching past you know the next to the next season to see how things work out, I, I heard you don't often get past episode one of a of a TV show.
1: Oh. with Sometimes that's the case, because um, I co-host a podcast called The Episode 1 Podcast. Uh, Me and my buddy Chris Ryder, we watch Episode 1 of a different TV show, then we discuss it from both a fan's perspective and a writer's perspective, then we unfairly judge the entire series from that one episode. (laughs) Um, I sometimes, i.e. always think the podcast is about everyone's favorite Star Wars movie, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, and Talk about I talk about that for anywhere from one to several minutes before Chris corrects me, and then we talk about whatever show we're going to watch. <laughs> um, yeah, the podcast we actually related to Star Wars episode one, The Phantom Menace, on our eighty seventh uh, episode, our our second to newest episode, because we have our eighty eighth episodes episode spectaculars coming up. Um, it should be posting any day now here, but our eighty seventh episode, we had a friend of mine on uh, Eddie Firth, who is a uh, he co-created a show that that ended up getting picked up by Netflix called Historical Roasts and him and his uh, partner Ryan, Ryan Pig were on the show and since it's the 20th anniversary of Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace we had them do a little bit of a roast of uh, Phantom Menace and I thought a roast was where you say nice things about something so imagine my <laughs> chagrin when they insulted my all-time favorite movie ever of all time
0: hmm. Well, uh, but yeah,
1: I'm,
0: go ahead. I was going to say, well, that sounds like it uh, could have turned out interestingly.
1: Yeah, yeah. So listen to that episode. Uh, if you want to hear the roast of uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, plus some uh, great talk about, like, some, you know, just hearing, like, how a show started from a, they started doing a show at a, um, uh, a school. They did it at the Nerdist School, um, and then it went from there to... Uh, Meltdown Comics, which is how me and Nate um, met, because Nate found my comic mm-hmm. there and tracked me down online, and we became buddies via the internet. Um, but yeah, they, they were doing this show there for a bit, and then they they started doing it at one of the famous comedy clubs in LA, the Comedy Store, and uh, they still do the show there to this day, and then somewhere along the way, Jeff Ross came across it and was like, oh, hey, yeah, this, uh, this is something I think we could maybe turn into a TV show. That's uh, cool oh thank you thank you yeah so um we're you if you're an i if you're an itunes apple podcast person a direct link chris made to find us is tiny.cc slash episode one um our main feed is episode one pod uh dot um i'm just confirming that really yep yeah, episode one pod dot libsyn l-i-b-s-y-n dot com um, like I mentioned our 88th episode Spectacular is coming up we talked about the the return of Veronica Mars and also we went back and watched the uh, the very first episode of Veronica Mars I've never and
0: seen an episode of Veronica Mars
1: I recommend it I, I hadn't seen uh, I hadn't seen it at all either until this until we had to do it for the podcast and now I'm I definitely want want to watch I'm going to watch the new season first I think just because there's three seasons worth of Veronica Mars to catch up on versus just this one new season. So I think I'm going to start there and then work my way back. Um, so, yeah, that's that's out there. We also are going to be doing The Boys, uh, which is a comic book-related show on Amazon Prime. And if you want to go back in the archives, um, go back a, a little bit of a ways. Uh, we had a really cool guest on named Nathan Thomas. He came on to talk about The Punisher. Ooh. Too bad,
0: you know, all those Netflix series, I, I wish they wouldn't have been canned and cast aside now. I mean, the, I know. they had some good stuff, like the latest Jessica Jones series I thought was pretty good.
1: Yeah, I need um, to watch that. I'm going to watch that as soon as I'm finished with the Fosters.
0: Okay. I'm have, gonna you of any
1: of, have you watched any of Cloak and Dagger on uh, Freeform?
0: No, because I don't know which streaming service it's on.
1: Uh, you can watch it on Hulu.
0: Okay. I don't have Hulu, that's like the only one that ah, can have. Okay. Um, <laughs>
1: uh, but with um with Cloak and Dagger they actually reference they made various references to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and what I liked is they, they actually had uh they talked about Luke Cage not in depth, but they talked about him for a good several minutes, which I thought was really cool. So hmm. I like that, you know, it looks like the the Netflix shows will live on in some capacity even though they're unfortunately being cancelled.
0: Yeah. That's no good. But you know what's not canceled?
1: What's not canceled?
0: The whole cinematic universe thing. This it, this uh, decade-long set of movies that has spanned so many, many hours of, of celluloid and digital <laughs> medium. Um, it has, I think it's probably produced uh, the financial ramifications of... Probably a middle-sized country at this point. At uh, least, all, yeah. all the, <laughs> the money's pulled in. I, I doubt um, Disney uh, execs are, uh, you know, lamenting the fact that they spent what was it, four billion, or was it, a, yeah, I think it was even a billion dollars on the Marvel franchise, because I'm sure they've spent or have made rather uh, a cool five times their investment at this point, at
1: least. Exactly. Uh,
0: so, this latest episode episode because <laughs> it is kind of like a tv show these days uh this latest movie uh the spider-man far from home it has crossed that billion dollar threshold on the worldwide box office already um and it's only been out for just a maybe three four weeks at this point yeah that's that's a that's a first off this is the first spider-man movie to cross that threshold which is interesting um and I saw a, a chart the other day that ranked all these Spider-Man movies in order as to, you know, what's what's above whatever. And I th- the thing that stood out to me the most was the one that made the least amount of money. Do you know which one that
1: was? Um, I'm going to go with Amazing Spider-Man 2.
0: No, that one made a decent amount. The one that made the least was Into the Spider-Verse.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that would have been, because that got a lot of critical acclaim. I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe because it's animation that had a, that was a factor into it.
0: hmm I think that was because, you know, otherwise, the MCU has been strong. Spider-Man's been strong in the MCU, and it just came out recently. That has to be the only thing is that people kind of wrote it off as like a just a cartoon and not really part of the MCU. But as we both know, it was a great movie. I, I thought it was fantastic. The the whole story with Miles and everything worked out really well for me in that multiverse setting. It, it works and plays really well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that was my favorite uh, superhero movie of last year. I liked it more than um, Infinity War uh, and all the other superhero movies that came out last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I had that Spider-Man bias, mind you, but even factoring <laughs> that in, I still... But Spider-Man, of course, was in Infinity War, but yeah, just every what they did with all the different Spider-Men was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that it was focused on Miles, but, you know, everybody got their moment in the sun.
0: Yeah. Um, So, talking about now, Far From Home, which is the second solo movie in this new Spider-Man MCU, it has now had as many movies as the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man run, and is two-thirds of the way to the Tom Holland run, although you could say that he's been in the most movies because he was in Civil War, Infinity War, and in uh, in game. So mm-hmm. Tom Holland is cemented obviously as the, the most appearances on the film side. Um, what, what was your take on far from home as a sequel? I mean, was, did it live up to what you were hoping?
1: It did. Yeah. I, um, they, what, everything that they established in homecoming, um, I knew that was, you know, I had a feeling they would equal it and they definitely did. Um, I think as we go on here, I think comparing the two movies, it's like I'm not. I think I'm, I'll probably figure out while we as we talk about it exactly where it's because I definitely liked Far From Home, and I'm, we'll figure out as we go here if I liked if I ended up liking Homecoming more or Far From Home was the uh, was the was the movie for me. Okay, that's
0: fair. Um, so, when you went and saw this movie, did you see it opening night?
1: Um. I think it had that it had that tuesday release i think mm-hmm. because it came out on like fourth of july week is that correct yes, correct i did not see it then only because of the i saw it opening week i saw it on a friday
0: okay um i think i saw it on the fourth um i woke up early yeah, not early but you know <laughs> early for a holiday and mm. uh we went and saw it in the theater here nearby because it, it had come out there was no midnight showings for the opening night and then i couldn't go see it tuesday or wednesday because of work and other things so thursday was my first opportunity to see it and the theater was it wasn't empty but it wasn't as full as you know i've typically been used to for midnight showings and things like that um but it was still it was you know nice to go out and watch a movie the the thing about this particular showing because you know we, we talk about our experiences sometimes on on how our theater of going experience was and so I remember the the movies were cheap. They were like five bucks or something like that. Maybe even seven Ooh, bucks nice. for the IMAX showing um, for IMAX, for IMAX showing because wow. it, I think they had a special, they were just wanting to get people in on the 4th of July and they gave you like extra bonus, like rewards currency to whatever. I don't even know um, for going to see a movie on the 4th. And this was the, like the first showings of the day were like 10 o'clock. And so the theater was opening up, you know, you could smell like a little bit of popcorn as you were going in because they were starting to to pop it and everything. But the overwhelming smell that I noticed when I went into the theater and I smelled it at least for the first half of this movie, was like, um, like a sewer smell. Oh no. I was like, what is this? What is going on here? Is this like some sort of a, you know, is the lizard going to pop out somewhere? (laughs) What's going on? Um, but uh, I, after the movie was over, all I smelled was popcorn in, in the theater, and uh, it kind of smelled like someone had, maybe had sprayed some Lysol around a little bit, too, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I know I couldn't have been the only one that smelled it. But anyway, so that was uh, that part, and I did get some popcorn just to uh, have something, and I think I might have even gotten um, a beer because they oh, started nice. serving beer at, at this this place. So, you know, I went in there, just kind of sat down to go see a movie and, and, and enjoy myself. But... Um, I the other thing that was weird with with my the showing was the screen every now and then would have these little um like green or blue um lines that kind of just like edged on someone's face it was almost like it was a a 3d effect but you know we weren't wearing 3d glasses Mm. and i don't know if that was just like the the print they had or if there was something with the projector that was going on but that was the other thing that kind of stood out for the this particular showing And this is the theater that i usually go to for everything uh to go watch i don't know if it was just an off day or you know they just weren't you know hadn't calibrated things for, for that day yet. But, um, so the theater experience, unfortunately was a little bit of a letdown this time for me. Uh, but the movie itself was not at least so we can, that's uh, the most
1: important thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's the, uh, the thing we'll talk about now. Um, this movie picks up pretty much right after the end of Endgame, game. And they actually talk about what has been come to known as the blip. And, Kind of showing us as the movie co-ears what happened when the Hulk spoilers. By the way, if you haven't seen Endgame or Infinity War or lots of stuff, uh, spoilers for everything. Um, when the Hulk snapped everybody back into existence, so uh, you could see like there was a a video that they showed of of some people playing basketball and the marching band like appears back in there because that's where they were when they were blipped. I I prefer to call it the snap, but you know I guess people in the world just didn't know what the snap was, um, so it was pretty cool just to kind of see the other side of that, and they had this Whitney Houston, um, I will, uh, what was it? No, I will remember you.
1: Oh yeah, yep.
0: Like a little montage a, a thing.
1: Tribute to Tony Stark <laughs> via mm-hmm. Whitney Houston. Yeah, Santa so.
0: A- Tony Stark and Captain America and, you know, the other heroes that we lost, they were all kind of in this, um, um, I will always love you montage from Whitney Houston that went through at the beginning, just to kind of remind you, yeah, this is the world, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe now, they've, there is no Cap, there is no Iron Man, there is no Black Widow, um, so, for all
1: intents and purposes, there is no Thor, he's off world now, so,
0: Yeah. So it's it was interesting, just like a, a reminder of hey this this is gone, and it really kind of laid into uh, who will be the next Iron Man. You know that was kind of the question that was bandied about um, when Spider Man obviously was the heir apparent. He was given a, an Iron suit by Iron Man. So what what do you think of this the the synopsis that we're put into here? that the open up in the movie and uh, the, the question of are you the next Iron Man?
1: It was a really great way to to bring you into the movie because. It's it gives you that same regard um, aspect of Peter Parker. He's a young superhero. You you know, just watching Infinity War and Endgame, you tend to. For, I mean, actually, it's more apparent in um, Infinity War, less apparent in Endgame, but only because his his screen time is kind of limited in Endgame. But you know, he's he's a young superhero. I mean, he just made peace with the fact that in, in uh, Homecoming, that he should be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, you know, and he only went, you know, into space because of necessity. Um, but now he has this, this, um, he wants to honor the memory of Tony Stark, but he, you know, deep down, he doesn't feel like he's ready to do it yet. And I thought that was all presented very well in the beginning there.
0: Mm-hmm. Um... There was a cut scene uh, that was in a trailer about some some police asking if he was going to be the next Spider Man, and uh, that was not in the movie itself. But you could definitely tell that he was pondering that question throughout the movie, right at the beginning. Oh yeah, where he's he looks over and he sees like a, a billboard of Tony Stark, and he's just like I think he's talking to Happy at one point. And he's like every time I close my eyes or something like that he's there and I miss him and uh, kind of just dealing with the fact that. You know, as far as us as, of, as a movie-going audience, th- this is the only, you know, father figure or male role model that he's had in his life uh, for the movie-going public. So there has been no Uncle Ben, obviously, at this point uh, for us. Uh, we don't know anything about his parents in this iteration. So it's, you know, he is the like, the father figure that he never had, that he kind of lashed on to. So he's reeling with that loss as well. Mm-hmm. So... I thought it was kind of interesting, like the way that they kind of played with that. And, you know, Tony, not Tony, uh, Nick Fury. Well, (laughs) quote unquote, Nick Fury, uh, uh, tracks him down and, you know, he's, he's trying to get a hold of him and talks about how they need someone to step up because, you know, they don't know where Thor is, you know, Cap's gone, Iron Man's gone. It's you. And it's kind of interesting just to kind of see, and I think he says something about Captain Marvel. Don't speak her name or something like that. Um, but it was interesting because he is kinda of, you think about it, the only Marvel hero left on Earth. Except for Doctor Strange, I suppose. And all those other doctors and no, well, I guess Ant Man's out there too. I don't know. The he's, only he's, one that has, has a few, real powers.
1: but I mean he's like the most accessible in a sense. Right. It's accessible like you know, you know where he is. The other ones kind of, you know, went their various Ways, but yeah, Spider-Man. You know, he's a New York guy, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: and because his identity is known enough, you know, you can track him down.
0: Right. I mean, he's the only one that is like you. don't have to go to Wakanda to find him or something like that. He's 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 pretty pretty easily there, like you said. But um, he's also out there doing things. Whereas, like Black Panther may or may not be at this point. Uh, he's probably still just over in Wakanda doing his thing. But as far as People with powers, like it's him, Black Panther, and then I guess Doctor Strange, right? That's that's it. I get the Hulk, I suppose as well. He's somewhere.
1: Yeah, Uh, Scarlet Witch. She's still around, right? She didn't go anywhere off planet, right?
0: That's true. I guess she was out there as well. People are probably still scared of her for the whole Sokovia thing, though.
1: That is true. Yeah. Although to be fair, I think it's been a long time since then because we have to factor in that they moved on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe five years um because of the snap/blip mm-hmm. uh so it's been for a lot for half the population it's been 5 plus years whereas some of the population is still that's been, that was relatively recent for them yeah so
0: in this movie we we open up actually uh, with with Nick Fury uh and uh, it what we thought was Nick Fury and uh what's her name
1: Maria elders
0: Mary Hill yeah We those two characters checking out something that happened down in Mexico or somewhere in Central America. Um, What appears to be some sort of elemental attack. You know, there was like a a tornado that had a face. So they're checking that out, and there's a guy that appears there in a uh, green suit and a bowl head, and he opens up his head and he says, "What are you guys doing here?" And it's like Jake Gyllenhaal. I want to say off the bat as far as you know mysterio is one of those villains that he works really well in a comic book he works really well in a game but you know you with the cinematic universe the way it is how do you do him right and i just want to go to say is that i was really impressed and i enjoyed the way that they portrayed mysterio in this movie
1: same yeah i agreed um I, I I had a feeling something was coming with you know Mysterio. I was like, well, just because I know my Spider-Man 101, it's like Mysterio, classic Spider-Man villain, one of the Sinister 6. There's no way they're going to keep up this good guy front they're showing in the trailers. Mm-hmm. Dot dot dot. Are they? Because mm-hmm. of what we see in the early portion of the movie, but then his his true colors are eventually, re- eventually revealed, but Right. Yeah, they it's like they captured everything about about Mysterio uh, perfectly. His his look. It's like one of those ones where some things that are in a comic book you never know how they're going to translate to the screen, and they did very little to alter his costume, and yet he looked he looked great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked great, and it makes sense like why he had that dome too. He had like the holographic stuff all around, and he was able to look around and see kind of like what you see with with Iron Man when he's got his helmet on, <clears throat> but. I thought that they just did a really good job portraying him. And, you know, from the comics, he was that special effects kind of guy. and He knew how to do pyrotechnics and all that stuff, and that's why he kind of became the that kind of a villain. But the the origin story here for, for this Mysterio is actually pretty great. So, you know, he's over in Europe, and coincidentally, Peter's also in Europe, and uh, there is this attack by one of these monsters, and Peter's in there trying to, to do his thing to help. It think is a water monster, right? And he meets, yes. uh, he sees the Mysterio. They don't know he's Mysterio at that point. They don't call him that. They just they don't have a name for him yet. They see him around there, and he helps him by keeping some buildings from falling, uh, which makes sense because, you know, he, he he tried to punch through water, and it didn't do anything. Um, <clears throat> so he kept from buildings from falling, which, as the plot thickens... Uh, makes a lot of sense for that's why the that was the big thing for him to do in that moment because as you as we'll find out it was all an illusion, but what I really thought was great was you know he pops in there he sees him as a a, a hero uh, Spider Man sees him as a hero and he's like wow you're you're really great and he had someone to talk to about being a hero now that Tony is gone so he's kind of trying to latch on to that aspect and you know they actually build this this convincing relationship. At the, at the beginning of the movie now what did you think of you know the the grand opening of mysterio coming in 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 europe
1: i was um based on the trailer and what we saw here i was wondering if they were going like uh, a mystic route and if they were going to reference some stuff from dr strange um, because of the way you know Mysterio's never it, never been able to shoot anything you know projectile wise that wasn't you know, illusion or special effects based. Um, so I was wondering, oh, maybe that's how they, what they're doing with Mysterio here. He's like gonna have maybe he trained with the Ancient One or something like that. So I was curious at the beginning here. You know, I'm taking everything at face value. So um, I'm like, oh wow. So these are are these gonna be the Eternals? That was like the the talk about you know the because we knew that. It was shot down that what we were seeing in the trailer was not uh, Spider-Man villains, Sandman, or Hydro-Man, who you know, can do... You know Sandman from Spider-Man 3, mm-hmm. but Hydro-Man is Sandman except water instead of sand. He can turn into water and stuff like that. But, yeah, we got confirmation that it was, it was not them. And so, yeah, seeing Mysterio, um, it kind of put it in pers- like a, this pre-perspective of... Like Peter already feels a pressure of how how am I supposed to fill in for Tony's you know for Iron Man, um, and then you know we you see him trying to fight these these creatures which we're at this point thinking are some sort of you know elemental monsters, and you see what limited things he can do, and that's just like is another like layer of doubt to you know to put onto. To peter's young shoulders there is great how am i supposed to stop these things you know luckily he had mysterio to uh to turn to for guidance and uh and um a power support for mm-hmm. lack of else to call it then in there
0: yeah all obviously part of a a master plan that we see unveiling here so as you know as things go on peter tries to help out he's uh his vacation is basically hijacked by Nick Fury, <laughs> so you know he wants to stay with his class. He wants to do his thing, and and Nick Fury's like, okay, I, I get that, and he's he needs him in this other location. And Nick Fury via Shield, you know, gets a hold of the 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 leader of the class and is like, hey, guess what? We're gonna go over to this other place now because uh, reasons. Um, <laughs> what did you think of you know Spider Man's vacation? "Quote unquote," being hijacked by Mister Fury and Shield.
1: The, now, was it in fact Shield? Because Shield, of course, dissolved Shield's
0: kind of dead. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, really know. Shield
1: dissolved in you know back going back to Winter Soldier, but the, it seemed like there was whatever Fury was doing had some sort of yeah. It might possibly they never said. I don't think that if they were Sword, they never said the name. And if I'm recalling right on Sword, I and mean, the comics Sword is. Um, I think they deal specifically with space. Um, you know related threats. but you know the, the cinematic universe, you know they, they wouldn't deal with that per se if they, if they were in fact calling them sword. So I think that was the only minor note I had with um, that. I guess I think I wrote it off in my head as, well Nick Fury has resources upon resources. so I'm sure that's how he's able to you know do all this. He probably had something to get back on his feet. And plus, I figure Tony, uh, I think I, I, sometimes I'll i do this with movies. I'll make up my own headcanon. And I think I figure Tony probably left him some money um, in, you know, in his will yeah. enough to get some sort of new global task force at least started.
0: Right. I mean, the, the Stark Foundation probably has some sort of things that are in there to help fund these type of uh, interplanetary defenses. And I'm sure Fury got his got his hands on something in there. Exactly. So. We also see Peter, uh, speaking of Tony's will was given something by Tony and it w- appears to be like just a little small, so the sunglasses. And when he says Edith, which, <laughs> uh, you know, Tony and his acronyms, uh, stands <laughs> that comes for
1: to play a little later on too,
0: uh-huh, uh, huh. which stands for even in death, I'm the hero, <laughs> um, so when he says Edith, it's an AI that has control of, you know, one of Tony's satellites, probably one of many. And it is like this huge, um, probably fired out the the iron spider suit and the other stuff that's been used in the recent Avengers movies. It's probably that same um, satellite system. But it can do literally anything, hijack phones, uh, do surveillance, um, whatever you want, it'll basically do it. And this is, I was waiting for this to happen, this line to be said here, too, at some point, was, you know, this is a, a great power. <laughs> and what comes with great power um, still has not been uttered in this MCU, which I, I could have sworn that Tony was going to be one that says it to, to, to Peter. but um, And this could have been another way to do it. It's like, hey, this, give a little hollow recording. You know, this is a great power, and with this great power comes great responsibility or whatever, great. Right.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But, you know, the first thing he does with uh, Edith is basically uh, cause an airstrike on his bus. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Oops. (laughs) Yeah. What did you think of uh, this this folly uh, by Peter and, you know, the the reason why we got to that point?
1: Um, That was, it was fun. Um, Fun, definitely reckless. um, But at the same time, I mean... This isn't, you know, fully experienced adult Spider-Man here. This is still learning, on you know, learning as we go, Peter Parker, getting this new, even though Peter's, you know, a highly intelligent uh, kid, he's still just a kid. So, I mean, it's perfectly logical that he wouldn't, you know, quite have the uh, the, the system down. So, hence, he almost blew up his, his uh, one of his fellow classmates.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why he he called him an enemy, right, and that he started to to put him against this is because this person also likes Mary Jane, Mm -hmm. and he caught him uh, midway between locations when they took a bus stop, uh, getting his new suit fitted or something like that, and the lady was wanting him to try it on right away, and the guy stumbles in there, takes a picture, whatever, Uh, and he's going to show that picture to Mary Jane, and he wants to eliminate... (laughs) That possibility, um, <laughs> and starts by trying to just eliminate him. Which well, he
1: wa- he wanted to delete the photo, but the Edith took it a little too far.
0: Right, and that reminds me of the activate kill mode uh, from from oh. uh, Homecoming.
1: A homecoming, yep.
0: So kind of in that same vein, but uh, I, I enjoyed the little bit of uh, funniness there, and then the fact that he did eventually delete it, and. I don't know. I I, I like the vista. I like that scene. I thought it worked out pretty well for me. And, you know, the fact that he, like, jumped out and just, like, you know, was able to web shoot the thing and took care of it. Um,
1: uh, It seems like that's been kind of a little bit of a focus of some of the non... I think they probably did it intentionally because, you know, just to... After all the deaths from the, uh, you know, the motions that came up during Endgame, I think they wanted to make, you know, some lighter things. So, like, that's why Ant-Man and the Wasp was, you know... Borderline, definitely if not a full, it wasn't full on comedy, but it definitely had its, you know, a lot of humorous moments. We also saw a lot of humorous moments here with, um, uh, you know, with Far from Home, Mm -hmm. and that that was one of many. I think a shout out too to um, uh, Martin Starr and um, J B Smooth, Smooth, who were the uh, the principal and the the science teacher. Um, of the of the class, they were they're both great comedic actors, and they brought extra humor to everything they did here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good to see them in here as well, and I, I do agree that you want to, you know, give some some levity back into the universe after you just have seen all these heroes fall in the last couple of movies. Um, so circling back in now to what we we see here that happens, there's this big fire monster that uh, comes to threaten them, and. Because, you know, Peter and Mysterio are fighting together. There's a... He, like, shoots through part of the holograph and pulls down a projector. And Mary Jane grabs it. And this this whole plot starts to unravel a little bit later. But after this fight, the two heroes, quote-unquote, go get a drink in a bar. And I don't think Peter's old enough to get a drink, so he gets, like,
1: a root beer or something like that. Technically, might have been able to drink because Europe has all those, you know, different drinking ages. But uh, yeah, he did not get to drink nonetheless because that's that's our Peter.
0: Right. So he has some sort of, you know, uh, drink in there at the bar, and they're talking about it. And all of a sudden, you know, there, I think there's like a pickpocket or something takes the, the glasses out of his pocket and says, "Oh, you dropped these," and that brings it into the conversation. And then they're able to manipulate Peter into giving. Uh, these glasses to Mysterio. What did you think about this bar scene?
1: I think that was, um, when I thought about it in like, you know, post movie, that was the one thing, the one part of Mysterio's plan where I was very curious about, because I mean, obviously he had, you know, he's earning trust, but I mean, I, it, it was like that for the plan that he had, that had to be best case scenario that Peter would willingly hand over uh, the glasses
0: mm-hmm.
1: I saw so I it worked out of course because you know different reasons I mean it was earned but at the same time the plot kind of dictated that you know that it had to happen but again uh, it was earned Peter was feeling various you know doubts about everything and so forth like that so um, it made it would make sense that he, he he saw he thought he was doing the right thing he, Peter is a very humble guy so he wanted to you know put what he thought was uh, he wanted to do the right thing here and give the the best the earth the best possible person with these but of course yeah just questioning it after to the fact that well what were what we gonna do if um, Peter wouldn't have given you the glasses um, we, I mean I assume he would have then tried to have Taken them, but I don't think that would have went so well for him. So that that's the only part where the the his plan was kind of me for me anyway.
0: hmm With with that being the case, I mean it, it all hinged on on how how Peter re- replied. But I think they had kind of shaped that to be like, oh, well, you just let these things fall out of your pocket, and kind of made him think about, oh, well, I just. I don't, I'm not the right person for this at all because I just let this happen. I think that kind of puts him mentally into that position. Um yeah. But after, after Peter does this and uh, you know he walks away, we kind of see some people looking around, just kind of like waiting to see what happens. And now we get the whole, ha, 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 we're a villain type speech.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I do like how in this movie, uh, it's not just, Mysterio is not just a guy. It's this team and they they are creating this mysterious persona sure it's portrayed by by jake gyllenhaal's character but uh for the most part it's it's this team putting it all together and you know they were all disgruntled stark employees of some way or another which is i thought was really funny so the first one he talks about was a guy that was yelled at by obadiah Stane. you know when when uh he says, Tony Stark built this in a cave with parts, or,
1: you know, whatever. And it was, a, that was, uh, Peter Billingsley, who was, uh, mm-hmm. Ralphie from a Christmas story. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So he was back in it and reprising his role. So I thought it was kind of cool. Like, you know, a throwaway cameo character placement, but they brought him back. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then there were a couple others that did the same thing with, and just kind of went through all these different people and how they interacted with Tony Stark, including, you know, with Jake Gyllenhaal's character. He was supposedly off screen during Civil War when, when he had the opening scene with, you know, a young looking Robert Downey Jr. and his parents, and you know he names the the that technology barf. I I can't remember what the barf stood for, but
1: um, yeah, same here.
0: Obviously the reaction that. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character gave, like, he named my life's work Barf. Um, so I, I loved how they kind of pulled that back in from, from those previous movies. But uh, really kind of it it comes together at that point, and people are able to really understand how uh, the portrayal here of Magneto, it's not just this one, not Magneto, sorry. Mysterio. <laughs> Mysterio. It's not just the one person, but it's this team of people that are all united to do this, and they're all wanting to send the message that, you know, you guys believe everything, but you need to believe, like, from from us, because we have, like, the most valuable perspective. You know, you're believing all this stuff because these people are whatever, like, uh, Iron Man was a flawed person. He didn't have the right feelings and thoughts, but, you know, we have the right feelings and thoughts. People listen to us. So that's their whole... Their whole game is to be able to, to do this, and by getting Edith now, they're mm-hmm. able to create this Avengers-level threat that he called uh, to to really kind of cement Mysterio being this, this hero and the person that people will be able to call on, um, which takes us to, I think, London, right?
1: I believe that's where they went next.
0: Okay, so we're getting to London here is there anything before that that stood out to you that you want to talk about?
1: Um, Oh, just a little side note that, you know, just thinking about it now, Tony Stark, uh, has led, has ended up create inadvertently creating some, some more vertently than others, but he created three supervillains, um, in the Marvel cinematic universe because in Iron Man three, he inadvertently creates, um, The villain of that movie whose Mm -hmm. name i'm forgetting and then you know in avengers 2 he you know makes ultron and then he of course now in this movie has led to uh the creation of mysterio Mm -hmm. so yeah just uh something that just dawned on me now i was like oh well eh, it happens
0: (laughs) didn't he also inadvertently create whiplash
1: i think so i think i think i think that was more on whiplash though just i think like whiplash and did whiplash and howard stark work on this stuff together and howard screwed him out of it or something
0: whiplash's dad i think work with with tony's dad yeah or exactly and, yeah. so
1: yeah tony wasn't directly involved there stark the stark family was but not tony
0: okay but yeah it is is interesting isn't it that he's kind of uh created three but i like any superhero there's always a villain that comes up to challenge um but getting into to this final act, you know, the the class is, is over here. Um, Peter has realized that he's he's messed up. Uh, he goes to try to tell Nick Fury in person in, in Germany or somewhere that uh, he has messed up. This guy's bad. He gave him Edith. He can't call him because he's going to be able to tap his phone lines. And we get the, a magnificent fight sequence uh, from Mysterio. It's like I couldn't have, I couldn't improve on on this particular fight sequence because it is totally Mysterio, like in every sense of the word, Mysterio. Like if Batman, if they did a Batman movie with a proper Scarecrow fight, ah man, this is close. So in this in this uh, fighting, quote unquote fighting, this this Mysterio thing, what do you think about how they portrayed? the the different holograms and everything to really mess Peter up and also like they had you know <laughs> allusions to Marvel zombies
1: oh yeah yeah um that's ha- have you read Marvel zombies that I that's have not um but yeah oh, one thing I just I, I just briefly super mention on is the black costume that Peter wore this movie um Spider which monkey? I promise. or black What's monkey that? night monkey Yes, yeah, <laughs> because he, they couldn't. There couldn't be Spider-Man in Europe because people would figure out that they'd be able to put two and two together that Spider-Man's Peter Parker, which ended up happening anyways. But um, I think we'll, we may or may not come back to that. But yeah, uh, Peter put on the the a black costume and he became the Night Monkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought was for pre movie. I thought, oh, is he going to be. Um, is this a Noir costume thing they're going for or is this are they gonna somehow try and incorporate venom and it was none of the above which I think's okay because venom would have been way too much for this and the Noir uh Peter the Noir spider-man's great in the into the spider-verse but we don't need it in the the main Marvel Cinematic universe mm-hmm. um, yeah sorry random thoughts hit me here and there <laughs> but yeah going going back to the Mysterio fight yeah that's just so yeah that's like that's how, Mysteri- that's how Mysterio fights, is, you know, his illusions are so intricate that, you know, the- it feels like it's the most intensest real thing that you're come across. Like, for example, did- are you familiar with uh, Old Man Logan, the-, the comic book?
0: I haven't read it, but I am familiar with it.
1: So, yeah, Mysterio was the one that tricked Logan um, Wolverine into killing the X-Men mm-hmm. with his illusions so that's just um, that's to give you an idea of how intricate his illusions are is uh, the perfect testament because Wolverine arguably would be able to better detect um, the illusions better than Spider-Man because you know Spider-Man has a spider sense which, you know, spoiler alert if you're this far into it um, and uh, haven't seen it yet just a heads up, you know, Spider-Sense is ultimately what saves him at that, towards the end, you know, at the end of the movie, but Wolverine's, you know, he, he has uh, his scent can, you know, detect any sort of fraud for the most part. Um, and yeah, he, yet he, he wasn't, you know, Mysterio was able to fool Wolverine. So yeah, um, Mysterio has, is able to craft very powerful illusions. And we saw that in full display here. And like you mentioned, yeah, just, it was so brilliant to see on screen. Mm
0: mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Zendaya as Mary Jane. Um, I was talking to Mo, and he wanted to make sure that we shouted out how good of a job that she's doing, how Indeed. much he enjoys that portrayal of, of Mary, or of MJ, rather. I don't think her name's actually M- Mary Jane. I don't know. Just, they just call her MJ all the time. So, And that she did figure out that Peter was Spider-Man because, obviously, he's there with them there, and he was in D.C. with them, and it wasn't that hard to figure out. So she was like 90% or 60% sure, but, 67% she,
1: sure. Yeah,
0: but she had a, uh, had to go ahead and figure it out. And Peter did reveal it to her and was like, yep, I am. This is this, this is what's happening. Uh, I need your help to make sure this doesn't happen again. And that's before he goes and, and does this whole, um, mind fight sequence. It's not a mind fight. The illusion sequence. Yeah. With Mysterio, which culminates in, you know, it looks like it's over and it looks like he's out and he's, that he's been uh stopped by nick fury but then he's like oh man who, who else did you tell about this He's like oh just my classmates and he's like you're so gullible and mm-hmm. then you, you realize it's an illusion within an illusion it's like an inception um,
1: yeah i was thinking like inception when we are when you talk describing the fight scene earlier it's like all that that was so inception
0: mm-hmm. which by the way i watched that movie again recently that's so good um but it was really well done i i can't think that they could have done a better better portrayal of, of Magneto's abilities there. and Mysterio. Whole, <laughs> sorry, yeah, I keep saying Magneto. Um, Master of Magnetism is on the brain. Yeah. I've been also playing Dark Marvel Phoenix. Ultimate Alliance. I think
1: it's still in theaters.
0: Uh, it's not around here and I, haven't, I didn't get a chance to see that, but I have been playing Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 on the Switch, so he's in there. Um, oh,
1: nice.
0: But Mysterio uh, then goes on to launch this big, big Avengers-type attack against London. After he assumes that Spider-Man's been taken care of, but Spider-Man goes to this like ultra nice, nobody questions anything uh, place uh, somewhere in Europe, and he just like asks for someone's phone. He's like, oh sure, here you go. <laughs> and Happy comes to to pick him up, and while Happy and him are heading towards London on the plane, he kind of reminds Happy about how. Tony Stark would interact with things, how he would build things. And, uh, we get this nice little joke about, you know, he puts on ACDC's back in black and, uh, what did what did, what did Peter say? He's like, Oh, I, I love, uh, Metallica or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was just like a fun little, fun little joke, but a, a nice touching scene too with, with John Favreau and, you know, kind of remember reminding us a bit about Iron Man and how he, he would build things in the same kind of manner. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was that was good, um,
1: but and it has the comedic moments too because Peter then at the very end of all of that emotional stuff, then Peter's like, "Also, I'm not comfortable with what you're doing with my aunt." <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, because there's the whole thing between uh, Happy and and Aunt May, so that it, it <laughs> towards the, end of the movie that doesn't quite get resolved, but it's it's in the open at least. Um, this ultimate fight sequence, though, uh, we do get Nick Fury. He's also in London for some reason. He's just chilling. And, uh, you know, there's a, a coded message that that uh, Happy sends to Fury. I think it was something along the lines of, remember that skateboard that you used to have, that surfboard? Things aren't <laughs> always as they seem.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, just this really, like, you know, obvious thing. And so Fury obviously gets the message and understands that uh, there's going to be a, an attempt on, on him. So ultimately Peter has to figure out where in this illusion Magneto is he Mysterio he, God I gotta I gotta yeah
1: He's thank you past every an time illusion, an illusion on you he, he is presenting himself as Magneto
0: this is so true they dress totally different um they both have capes oh it was funny little little uh, anecdote there is like should I iron your cape yes I might be might be meeting the queen in like two hours I need to have an iron cape or whatever it was <laughs> Uh, so he has to find out where Mag- Mysterio is uh, doing this illusion from using the Peter Tingle. I uh, have I have this thing. Oh, the Peter Tingle? Um, and so he's able to, to figure out where he's at to go and stop him in the bridge. I think it was a bridge. And he's able to use his uh, spider sense to f- understand where these drones are at, where they're coming from, and is relying on that to do this final fight with him. So it works out pretty cool. He he takes all these drones. He webs them all up, which is pretty cool to see him actually building a web. And I think this is the first time we've seen him do that here in... Uh, uh, he kind of did it a little bit, saving the boat uh, in the last one. But the, the, this one is actually more of like building a web, which I thought was really cool. And then going out to to fight Mag- Mysterio. I, I can't believe I keep...
1: You're catching it now, so that's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but... What did you think of how this ended, with the uh, with Mysterio's and Spider Man that final confrontation there?
1: It was um it was an important development for for the the Peter Tingle. Hopefully that doesn't stick. Although it was funny, uh, but yeah, an important development for the Spider Sense because it was very inconsistent. But in retrospect, it does make sense that it would be inconsistent because um it helps you real you know just it's another reminder that. This isn't like you know classic Spider-Man yet because he's so young. He's still learning his powers, so hence, like we saw him be able to use the spider sense slash Peter Tingle relatively well in Civil War, but in Homecoming, it was more or less non-existent. Um, And then here, he ultimately is able to win you know win the day by being able to trust the sense, and he you know he he's able to find the real Mysterio amongst the illusions and, you know, punch him and, and win. So yeah, that's just like, it was an important development with Peter being able to, um, to harness that now. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it in full use in, in, uh, future movies.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause that's such an important part of, you know, what we know as Spider-Man is that Spider-Sense mm-hmm. and, and
1: arguably his, his best power, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: And we didn't really see it used much previous to this movie. I mean, we did see the hair stand up uh, in Infinity War when that started, so that was kind of cool to see that uh, begin that process. But So, during this whole ordeal, MJ and uh, some of his other classmates are locked in the Crown Jewel Vault and these drones are trying to get to them to to wipe them out because they know about Mysterio.
1: Happy's with them, too. Happy's yep. with them and come to safety.
0: Happy's with them. And what I thought was funny is they go in this vault, and then MJ gets this big mace, <laughs> and she's got this big mace that she's sitting in there with, and uh, Happy at one point takes a shield from one of these standees and throws it at one of the, <laughs> at one of the drones and just, like, falls to the ground. I'm like, how does not do that? Um <laughs> But yeah, that was another good bit. So, you know, Peter saves the day. He's able to stop uh, Mysterio and reclaim Edith and tells all the drones to to go back to execute, you know, all protocols and uh, everything like that. During this last bit, uh, Mysterio has one more trick up his sleeve and tries to, uh, you know... Pull one over on Peter. Yet again, he he has an illusion going on. He's not on the ground, but he looks like he's on the ground. And the Peter Tingle goes off one more time, and Peter grabs like something out. You hear you hear a, a a shot. And I thought Peter grabbed that bullet, like like a drone had shot at him, but it was actually Mysterio standing behind him with a gun trying to shoot at Peter, and Peter <laughs> grabbed the gun. I thought that was a great little little scene there, like. When that happened I thought that it was like a drone that had tried to shoot some like at him but he just caught the bullet, but it was actually another illusion. So I was I was fooled by Mysterio's illusion there as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he's the he's the best, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's but yeah, that was just perfect illustration of yeah, Peter being able to Use his abilities to be able to see through mysterious illusions, and when you can see through his illusions, Mysterio is just a man. So, mm-hmm. yep. hence, you know, not no no true match for Spider-Man. Yeah,
0: exactly. Once once he gets the the spider sense down, he's he's good to go. But before this, he tells um somebody on the other end the uh, uh the guy that used to work for Obadiah Stane. To record some stuff. And uh, so he records this interaction between him and Peter and is able to splice it together to send it somewhere else. So, at the last in credits scene, or during the in credits, we see MJ and Spider Man. They're kind of going around the city in, in New York. Everything's good. And they have a special report from a controversial news website, <laughs> the Daily Bugle. And none other than J. Jonah Jameson played. Played by J. Jonah Jameson from the first trilogy of movies. Um, I can't think of his name right now.
1: Oh yeah, I'm gonna look. It's i blanking on it. Which when I when I see when I look it up and be like, oh right, um, it's like on the tip of my tongue right now. So I have to look it up here. Um, uh, J.K. Simmons. Oh, I didn't have to look it up. I found it before I look it up. J.K. It. J.K.
0: Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Uh, portrayed perfectly. Like it's it's. The Daily Eagle doesn't need to be a newspaper. It is totally it totally works as like a controversial controversial news website, like news blog. Um, and to have him back, I just loved it. I was like, "What? That's amazing. That's awesome." And then, so past that, we you know get this video from what Magneto re- <laughs> Mysterio <laughs> recorded um, of his his final moments with with Spider Man, and. He, you know, cobbles together um, an inaccurate representation of what actually happened, but and he's like, and Spider-Man, his identity is, and then it cuts out like it's not going to show it, and so you get like a, you breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief as as an audience member, at least I did, and then it cuts back in Peter Parker, <laughs> and then it cuts to uh, Spider-Man in New York, he's like what the, and it cuts there, <laughs> so so good, um, I really like how they portrayed that, and this really sets up a whole different side of of what we'll see i think mm-hmm. uh from the spider-man universe going forward will he be like that vin the that vigilante type or he's got to clear his name uh, could we see and i don't think we will but could we see the inclusion of the punisher you know coming to to find him and to kind of see what happened what was going on um i thought that was that was a really cool way to do it bring back uh jk simmons into that role is fantastic i look forward to seeing him in a full movie uh and we also had our post credit scene, which shows that Nick Fury wasn't actually in this movie at all. It was uh, Talos and his wife were portraying him and uh, Colby Smulders, <laughs> what's her name? Uh, Maria Hill. Maria Hill. Um, they were portraying them this whole time. So Fury is elsewhere. He's off-world. He is um, on a, look like a, probably a Kree warship or something possibly kind of getting that set up for the, the cosmic side of the MCU going forward. Uh, So Fury is looking forward to what's coming next on the MCU. But Steven, I have to ask you after all the stuff we talked about with Spider-Man, what did you think of what we've got now at, with the end of phase three?
1: I, um, I like, you know, they, I'm I hope they, don't do. I hope it's not a trilogy. I hope they do at least four movies minimum because I like what they how they what they do at the end of the Spider-Man movies. You know, uh, Homecoming. You know, you have Aunt May finding out Peter's Spider-Man, which um, was a great you know fun cliffhanger for that movie. And then here you have the cliffhanger that everybody knows Spider who Spider-Man is, and he's a menace. Um, I think. I did have a slight problem with that with Jay Jonah Jameson. Um, I mean, it was so great seeing J.K. Simmons in the in, in the role. He's he's absolutely perfect. Um, a little quick side tangent before I get back to that. Are you a Simpsons watcher, Nate? Um,
0: not recently.
1: Okay. Um, I forget what season it was because a, there's been so many. It was like one of the. It was before. I want to say. I'm gonna like guess here. It was, like, season 17, I think. But um, I can't recall for sure. But there's an episode where um, Lisa helps Mo become a poet. And um, J.K. Uh, Simmons guest stars. He's not—he's never called J. Jonas Jameson, but he's J. Jonah Jameson. And J. Jonah Jameson runs a poetry magazine. And it's so awesome. Um, <laughs> I, if I think you can just... Google on YouTube or search on YouTube for uh, J.K. Simmons Simpsons. You should be able to see. He only has like two, two short scenes, but they're hilarious. Um, but, yes, uh, I just want to mention that. If you've never seen it, I, I recommend watching it. But, yeah, so great seeing J.K. Simmons back as J.J. on Jameson. The only b- issue I, I had with the reveal was that j jonah jameson has zero relationship with Peter Parker at this point in the movie like one of the great things about the reveal uh the main reveal of of Peter's identity going back to the civil war comic was that you know j jonah jameson despite his in the comics despite his gruff exterior he uh he looked at peter as a a son at times and so for for the reveal that Peter all this time was Spider-Man was a crushing blow to uh J Jonah Jameson and it put a you know strain on their relationship for a while but here we don't get any of that we we just get J Jonah Jameson um, you know hating Spider-Man which is all good but then it's just like oh and it's this Peter Parker kid you know he has no relationship to him so that kind of I was slightly soured on it only from that perspective um, but it would not enough to make me, you know, to, to like ward me off of anything. I'm still all in for, for this, you know, for the movies, they're great. Um, and I am curious about what's going to happen next. Is that going to be the status quo that everybody knows who Spider-Man is? Are they going to, is he going to, cause I mean, it's easy enough to, um, they should, they shouldn't have a major issue. If they choose to do this, they shouldn't have a major issue going back and, you know, being able to cast out on the video that Mysterio shot. Um, to clear you know, clear his name from both the charges and that P- you know, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So, uh, will they go that route, or are they just going to embrace it? You know, like, a la the end of Iron Man, I am Iron Man, you know, I am Spider-Man. Or, is that what's going to happen? So I'm very curious, like like I was with Homecoming, what's going to happen next. They're very excited for what's going to happen next. Um, to touch on the Nick Fury reveal, that was another thing I wasn't... I think it, it mostly worked for me because I think the real Fury would have been able to catch on to Mysterio being a fake earlier and it explains why the Cree uh, Fury wouldn't have been able to. And it just makes me oh this Cree, the scroll. Mm-hmm. The Skrull Fury wasn't able to. And it just makes me curious about how the the process works. Like how like how does how did Nick scroll Nick Fury know all of that stuff? Like it seems like there's some stuff you might not have had access to, mm-hmm. as being just an outsider. Um, just minor points that um, you know. It's kind of like, yeah, I don't know if this works for me. It does, but I was I was a little iffy on it after thinking about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, there if there are some things that you could say. Oh, he he might have contacted Fury in between this or that, and or Fury probably left him some, some extensive notes about situations Yeah, that.
1: Fury um, leaving extensive notes.
0: Yeah. So, I I don't know. I think that this movie pulls it off okay, but it, at the same time did kind of cheapen it a little bit because they like, oh, that's not really Fury, but it does make sense that, you know, that whole, like, ah, I never doubted it was uh, a flake. And, and then Kobe Smaller's character is like, yeah, he, he completely doubted it. So, mm-hmm. I all, as a whole, though, I, I do enjoy uh, this movie and the fact that it wasn't actually Nick Fury Lends to the whole, you know, tapestry, if you will, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that it could be a, a scroll. You just never know what, what's going to happen now. Yeah. So I
1: thought for a second we were getting it set up for Secret Invasion, where the scrolls were, you know, taking over important Earth people, but I I don't think that's going to happen, quite frankly, because based our our presentation that we've seen of the scrolls so far, you know, largely based on Captain Marvel, is that the scrolls are friendly. So I don't think i don't think we're gonna get a secret invasion which is okay because that comic wasn't all that good
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it wouldn't surprise me if they pull something from it at some point but uh yeah i don't need that right away either so any final thoughts now on spider-man
1: far from home um i think i liked homecoming a little more but this was a very good movie um very welcome addition to the Spider-Man franchise. Um, it Spider-Man: Homecoming, I think, just had that that um, uh, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. Just it just had it was it was like welcoming Sp- Spider-Man to the Marvel Cinematic Universe proper, and I think just something about the way they handled that just worked. You know, I I that just sat with me more well or better here than a story of him trying to, you know, for part of the movie, you know, having this, uh, shadow of Iron Man cast on him. Um, but again, this was a very good movie. They, I love how they advanced the relationships, um, Spider-Man and MJ's relationship that everything there was so, so perfect. Um, and then, what's peter's friend's name we haven't really mentioned him much um i always want to call him genki who is miles morales's friend from the comics but he's not genki he's something else and i can't remember his name
0: i can't remember but the the man the the man in the chair from the uh, first exactly
1: one. yeah but yeah just a shout out to him he, he's him and peter have a great relationship and it was it was fun seeing uh a little twist on that because, um, I mean, Peter was still able to go to him when he needed to, but he was also busy with a girlfriend who, Oh, the girlfriend was Betty Brant, who, um, uh, yeah, that's a Spider-Man name from the comics, but yeah, she's uh, in a much different capacity here. Um, but yeah, just all the stuff that this movie did, uh, I give them an a, an a plus. They just, uh, rocked it off. Good job.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I, I agree that that was also really well done. Um, definitely another recommend for, you know, the Spider-Man movies or the MCU or superhero mm-hmm. fans in, in general. It was it was nice to see them portray Mysterio in the way they did and to pull it off in a really effective way. So I'm looking forward to watching it again at home because I'm sure there's there's things that I missed. So this will be a, a welcome addition to my collection when it does come out.
1: Nice. Do you buy the DVDs?
0: I buy the the four K Blu-rays. Blu-ray, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, one uh, one thing I'm um, I, even though I haven't seen them I, I miss that they do this. Um, they were Marvel was doing like just like short films that kind of just filled in little gaps here and there. Mm-hmm. Like um I think one of the most notable ones was um the Mandarin. Uh, they did a short where um uh, Ben Kingsley was in jail. And, um, oh, and then, but you got this reveal at the end that the real Mandarin was not happy about what happened. And, you know, just teased the possibility that, you know, the Mandarin is going to eventually, the real Mandarin is going to come to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and I think it would be so awesome if, like, for the Spider Man, you know, DVD, Blu ray release, if they did, like, a little, just a little short on on Uncle Ben. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know it would just be nice to see a little something um, again I think you know it's great seeing this you know all the importance that Tony had in Peter's life but it would be because it's not like they've acknowledged Ben in very minor but still they've you know still acknowledge that he that there was in fact a Ben Parker so it would just be nice to see just a little something maybe just like even if it's like him and Aunt May's first date or something like that
0: mm-hmm yeah, it'd be nice to kind of see that nod, but, yeah, they haven't done those little little shorts in quite some time now.
1: Oh, uh, I was curious when the last one was, because, yeah, I, I think the last one I could think of was the, the Mandarin one, so if, if that very well might have been the last one.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I always enjoyed those as well because they had a, a few neat ones out there, like with um, the one S.H.I.E.L.D. agent that turned out to be HYDRA and... Uh, uh, what's... Coulson. He was also into. They had some shorts with that, so those those were fun. But yeah, they haven't done those in a while. I would welcome a return to those. That'd be kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All this right. Is like, when the streaming platform, when Disney starts their streaming platform, maybe mm-hmm. they'll throw some little shorts on like that.
0: Yeah, that'd be nice. I I could see that happening. All right, Mr. Waldinger. Well, thank you again for joining me this week or this month, rather.
1: Absolutely, my pleasure.
0: And you, dear listener, we thank you for listening. You can find the show on all of the podcast services that are out there. You can find us on Twitter at EntertainingPod. You can find me on Twitter at VoicedByNathan. And you can find Stephen Waldinger on Twitter at...
1: Steve Waldinger, S-T-E-V-E-W-A-L-D-I-N-G-E-R.
0: Sounds good. And you've also, he also uh, plugged his Episode 1 podcast and the great writings that he's been doing over... Um, on that'sentertaining.net as well as this wrestling site that he spoke about so feel free to check those out as well because you you can't get enough Steve in your life it's okay (laughs) well thank you again dear listener thank you again Steve and we appreciate uh, all of your time that you've given to us for this episode and most importantly we hope that you have been entertained